I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am freezing my ass off in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And joining me on the other line, lounging adjacent in the satellite branch in scenic Hamilton, it's your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. I'm so toasty. Glad one of us is. Lousy smarts weather. Friends, this is episode 277 of the Geek Down Podcast. If you would like to listen to any of our other episodes... You just go wherever you get your audio content, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, or Stitcher. Give us a rate, review, follow, subscribe, all of which can help push us up the algo, helps people discover the show, and henceforth, that's what we get out of the exchange. You know what you get out of that exchange? Full service. Because new episodes of this program will be brought directly to your device, sprinkled onto you from the back of a rainbow main alicorn named Philip by your mans. Chauncey Frostilicus the third geek down internet elf. Oh my god, girl! He just he lives for it. He's relishing these last few wintry blasts coming from the, I don't know, the is it the jet stream? Um, the wintry blasts. T- tell me about weather, Kate. God, why, why I, is it? I doing don't have this? a meteorological de- degree, Jordan. <laughs> but um, I mean, really, weather is a very complex thing. You have different. Uh, jet streams, you've got the polar vortex. Uh, the polar vortex. That's what I meant. The polar vortex. See, I have weather facts. Love it. Talking loud and saying nothing. Friends, if you got something you need to talk loud and say nothing about, there's no better place than Twitter.com. Get up off Twitter. Get at us at GeekdownPod. That's where the show lives on the social meds. If you would like to support this endeavor financially, don't bother, bitch. I don't need it. I'm rich. Rich, he's he's not rich, but he did receive a large amount of hey, money. Hey, we'll we'll get to it. It's been an eventful couple of weeks, friends. Uh, speaking of which, thank you for accommodating uh, our little impromptu week off last week. Uh, work did us dirty. Work is still doing Caitlin dirty, but so dirty, so so dirty. End of fiscal is the not most bane of my existence. Not bane of my existence. Most wonderful time of the year. For people who work in accounting adjacent areas of industry. But as Caitlin said, yeah, not that rich. You can still support this endeavor financially at ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod. Throw three bucks in the tip jar. Let us know you are thankful for all this pristine content we provide to you. So the homie, Mr. Malosh, I'll try to tell this story quickly, but the homie, Mr. Malosh, my comics that have been sitting in my parents' crawl space since... Before I moved away from the city, which was a long time ago, a people. long time ago. It's odd. I saw my, I saw my buddy, Greg, who like always represented the guy who lived in Toronto and realized that like, I've now been in Toronto longer than he was, was very, ah, yes. was very odd for me to do, to reconcile with, uh, be that as it may. Yes. The comics were living at my parents' house. When I was down there in the summer, we moved them to Mr. Malash's house. Listeners, you may recall me telling the story of going through and kind of auditing everything I had and seeing if anything was worth anything, really. So, Mr. Malosh messages me uh, earlier last week and says, you know, his hookup, his connect, his plug, if you will. Is that a plug? 
Maybe he was the plug. I don't know. Someone cute's probably screaming right now because I'm just butchering the usage. But <laughs> his connect for comic selling was going to be coming through on a Monday night. Now, I have to be up at 3 a.m. to go to work, so I don't have time to be by the phone, you know, keeping up on this, on how this is going. So he's like, what, what would you, what are your figures that you're working with? And I'm like, look, the, just for the amount I have, if you're telling me he's going to take the entire collection at a buck a book it should still be like $2,000, you know, that's not taking into account that I know I have stuff that is worth decent money. Not, not we're not talking like, you know, first appearance of Wolverine type shit. You're not talking like books that are worth like $10,000, but you know, like it's, there's decent stuff in there. I say it should be about 2000. I'd probably be delight. You know, that would be awesome. Anything under 1000 seems like an insult. That's right. there you go. That's what I'm leaving you with. I got to go, to, I go to bed. So I go to bed and I wake up and I wake up a few times actually. Cause I'm kind of like having a little trouble sleeping, thinking about what's going on back home. Mr. Malasha sent me nothing, no updates, no nothing. I'm like, huh? That's odd. He does send me a message when he wakes up that morning. Um, kind of gleeful and says, I will let you, I'll leave you with this to put your mind at ease. You made more than a thousand dollars. I'm like, fucking awesome great yeah so basically what had happened when i finally get a hold of mr malash he calls me on his way into work he says so when it became clear that the man was there to actually buy this wasn't just like a sightseeing tour things took a different turn so now we are dividing the comics up and there's a dollar bit dollar box a two dollar box three dollar box and he's kind of dividing everything up into that so the man's approach is basically he just needs to make his money back you know, he likes to double his money. Whatever he spends, he's going to spend about half of what he thinks he can sell it for, right? Right. So when it was all said and done, telling – for a couple things. He tells Jeff to hold on to things like the Sandman, the Authority, current hot or potentially hot books in future, and he does not take them. He says, I'm not going to take those right now. He actively doesn't take the opportunity to buy low on these because he's like cool with Jeff, I guess. Right. He's like, those books are going to go up more. You know, hit me up, hit me up when a uh, second Sandman trailer drops. I was like, that doesn't benefit you, my man. That benefits <laughs> us. But thank you. Like, this is the most scrupulous businessman I've ever seen. And also, apparently, he told Jeff, and he did this for Jeff. He didn't do it for me because he found out after he got him back to the shop that some of them books were not in good condition because I was an 11-year-old who loved his comics. Uh, <laughs> if he got him back to the shop and he priced him out and whatever he paid, he should have paid more. He does. He's like, nobody ever believes me, but if I get him back to the shop and they're, you know, $1,000 over what I priced him at, I'll give you another 500 bucks. Wow. Um, so anyway, I don't even know. I'll just, I'll just fucking say it. The guy looks at it all and he goes, well, th this is like a $10,000 collection. So here's five. So <laughs> without, we're all going to Japan, everybody. <laughs> Everybody's going we're to all, Japan. All all of us are going to Japan. Without doing the thing that, without buying too hard into the thing that my father did, because my parents were both very delighted by this. They're like, oh my God, he just got $5,000 for selling comics. My father goes, well, what did you pay for those? When uh, Like, how, how much were, how much do you think you spend on them? I'm just, no, 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 no. No. We're not going to do that. <laughs> And also, I, I can hear there are people out there who are like, if you sold them yourself, blah, blah, blah. No. That's, I mean, that's, and that's the one, th that's the one thing you got to draw the line at too, right? Like, he's looking at it as like, this is a $10,000, you know, this is 10, 
I could sell this for $10,000. So I'm going to pay five for it. Um, yeah, maybe if I had done it piecemeal on Facebook marketplace for the next five years of my life, yeah, this I could have, I could have got business. more. It's his yeah, business. This, is, this, you don't want this to be your business. Yes. This is, this is, his. this was something you enjoyed at the time. And it is just delightful that you've got this money, which was much more than you thought you were going to get. Twice, we're going to leave it at that. Twice as much as my highest estimate. I was like, I was like, when I was talking to Jeff, I was like, 2,500 seems like the most I can get for it. Cause I also have my, my buddy Scott also like sold off a bunch of his comics and he was just like, had no time. He was like guys coming through being like 25 bucks a box. He's like, sure. Take them. Yeah. So that was delightful. And I uh, don't have a care in the world right now. So <laughs> I mean, Mr. Malash, send me a photo of it. <laughs> it's in a photo of my money. He called me on the way home that day to be like, how are you processing it? I was like, it's still, still hitting. I was like, send me a photo of those so I can see it. He's like, he got, he got home. I was like, all right, I'm home. I should probably go inside and see if my wife will give me a kiss. I'm like, tell your wife I will pay her $1,000. <laughs> my favorite thing is bribing people like Ted DiBiase for $1,000. <laughs> Everyone has a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> what do I get $1,000 for? Nothing. Oh. Um, so yes, let's, let's move on to the news. We took a week off. So there are some things out there that are worth, are worth talking about. So let's get into these. Uh, let's get the sad stuff out of the way first. There were a couple of, uh, notable passings in a couple, in the past couple of weeks, one of which happened early in our little unexpected hiatus and one which is more recent. And that was the passing of pro wrestler Scott Hall and drummer Taylor Hawkins of the Foo Fighters. Um, I believe Hall was in his early 60s and Hawkins was 50. Scott Hall was best known for portraying Razor Ramon in the early 90s. In the early to mid 90s in the then WWF, who was probably... Because I didn't really go in on The Undertaker until he got, like, really macabre. Like, when he was just, like, a wrestling mortician. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, this is whack. You know, I'm I'm 13. This is whack. It wasn't until he got like, you know, darker and <laughs> almost satanic that I was like, yeah, now we're talking. Um, Razor Ramon was probably my favorite wrestler. He was, I mean, it's troublesome now to be like, oh, it was a white guy pretending to be Scarface. <laughs> right. You know, he was just super cool and he came out with the gold chains and the vest and he had the toothpick and he threw it at the camera and he was just, he was the baddest motherfucker and he cut a hell of a promo and single-handedly him switching companies. You know, we talk about a lot of the wrestling lore of the nineties here. I've made Caitlin listen to historical podcasts or watch stuff before. When we talk about the Monday night wars, the whole Monday night wars are predicated on Scott Hall, AKA Razor Ramon leaving the WWF to go to WC, go to WCW, the competition and presenting himself basically as the same character as an invader to WCW. And that's how you get the NWO, which was like the hottest thing program going in wrestling in the nineties. Second only maybe to stone cold Steve Austin. Um, and for the first time there was, you know, real competition to Vince McMahon and the WWF and, because of that competition, that's why you had 
that created the biggest boom the industry had ever seen in the 90s. And it kind of starts with Scott Hall making the choice to switch companies. And he was just, he was, had a really unique mind for the business. Um, had a lot of substance abuse issues in his life and struggles um, and seemed to have straightened a lot of that stuff out. Um, and yeah, just is looks like his battles just caught up to him in the end. And, uh, his contributions are immense and we will miss him for that. I'm still not fully processing the loss of Taylor Hawkins, to be honest. Um, so, uh, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but the color and the shape is my favorite, favorite, my most favorite rock album of all time. Solid pick. Um, and it was like so important to me as a kid, like, and I'm not a big Foo Fighters fan, but that, that album to me was like the first album where I loved every single song. Mm-hmm. I even know, like I could still, I know all the songs that come up on like the track listing. Um, this is very, very sad. Very sad. Like so sad. I don't like to think about it for too often because <laughs> it makes me, yeah. it makes me that sad. Totally unexpected. I believe the news broke on late Saturday night. They were in South America. I believe there was some, I think, I don't know if it's Lollapalooza or what, but there's been a South American touring festival, rock festival down there. And they were supposed to do a, the Foo Fighters were doing a gig in Colombia, and yeah, he just passed away. There have been toxicology reports released lately. I'm not going to speculate on any of that stuff, but his, like, listen, I am a drummer and the fact that he, he was so recognizable a drummer, which is nearly impossible to do, you know, in the Foo Fighters, mm-hmm. I, I could walk in somewhere and say, I'm the bass player of the Foo Fighters and nobody would like bad an eyelash. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, right this way, sir. Here's your table. They would just take your word for it because nobody can identify anybody. But even if you kind of had a passing knowledge of the Foo Fighters, you knew Taylor Hawkins. He was so identifiable. To be that identifiable as a drummer in a band with Dave fucking Grohl is like yeah. no small feat. <laughs> and I think part of it had to do with just how any photo you see, any footage you see of him playing, he's just got this smile stretched across every inch of his face. Mm-hmm. There was just a joy in his playing that like was evident. And and it's funny because, again, like... He wasn't the drummer on The Color and the Shape, um, but... But he had to be. I, <laughs> he had to play that shit live. Yeah, but but like you said, legitimately, I wasn't even like, even after, the, like, I could probably, I can only name, I know their first album was called Foo Fighters. <laughs> the second album was called The Color and the Shape. I cannot name another album for you. But like you said, so identifiable so much joy there i mean who knows behind the scenes but at least while he was playing it looked like he adored what he was doing um and i just feel bad for all the people who loved him yo everlong is a hard fucking song to play it's a real hard drum song those are like 16th notes on the hi-hats at like a Godforsaken BPM. Like, it's a, it's a hard song to do. Um, mm-hmm. And then he was 50 and he was still, he was still bashing it out. Very sad. Um, rest in peace to him. 
and all condolences to his family and to his loved ones. It's just, it's real, it's real, real sad. So let's, let's move on to stuff that doesn't matter as much. <laughs> yeah, no, this is why we have this podcast. <laughs> um, Kate. Yeah. There, there's a new, a new flavor on, on, uh, on one of the favorite drinks we have around here, a new spin, a new exciting flavor. Okay. On one of our favorite drinks, that being the Star Wars Concern Troll. Ah, uh, yes. I was wondering, it was that or Weeb Tears. I was not <laughs> sure which we were talking about. So, did you see this article about the uh, pre-production of the Obi-Wan Kenobi show that came out in The Hollywood Reporter? Did you see that repackaged no, somewhere else? So, The Hollywood Reporter does one of these articles. Basically, I will I will condense this deeply because I don't know the uh, the timeline here necessarily but we know that uh director deborah chow who had done a couple of the better episodes of season in season one of the mandalorian was tapped to do the obi-wan show and i don't recall who was doing the scripts um he was the screenwriter on drive the movie drive he writes the scripts for the obi-wan kenobi show and that version that kind of got not leaked per se, nobody's seen scripts but there were some bullet points that kind of came out or were speculated even though uh lucasfilm reps deny it um that it was going to be obi-wan protecting a young luke from sinister forces that are pursuing them lead among them ray park returning as darth maul yeah again i don't know the timeline i don't know why this conversation was happening but the the allegedly's here are that deborah chow starts having a convert you know has a couple you know brainstorming sessions spitballing some stuff with uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni about the Obi-Wan project. And they kind of go, they encourage her to think bigger, apparently. Number one, Filoni and Favreau are, are called stewards in this Hollywood Reporter piece. Okay. The stewards of Star Wars right now. Um, and they apparently encourage her to go bigger. And that's how, like, Vader was not, part of this at all in the first draft right um but when i guess when feloni and favreau were talking to chow they were encouraged her to go bigger and feloni apparently leaned hard on the inclusion of the grand inquisitor yeah caitlin yeah briefly who's the grand inquisitor um okay so the grand inquisitor is part of the um part of this group that hunt down jedis so as many of you would know now or through the ether or maybe some of you don't um at the end of the prequel movies so the third movie at the very end uh order 66 happens which is an order from the empire of the emperor that all jedis are to be murdered to be taken out however it's a big galaxy there are jedi everywhere and there are always new jedi emerging um, so basically, the Inquisitors go around, they hunt Jedi, they're, by and large, I don't think there are any who aren't Force-sensitive, so they can sort of feel them, um, or feel the energy of it, and so yeah, so they they hunt them down. That's basically what you need to know. Uh, I don't know what you're going to say, but in the, so they, the Grand Inquisitor, he shows up in the cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the cartoons, it's great. And this is the second time now that they've done a live action version of a cartoon character, a character in the cartoons that has been 
terrible, and I really wish they'd stop doing it. Anyways, okay. Continue. Well, this is where the concern troll comes because okay. twofold. Okay, so so it is suggested that Favreau and Filoni, um encouraged her to go bigger because the initial story as presented to them was too similar to the lone wolf and cub sort of plot of Mandalorian where, you know, gruff battle hardened, uh, you know, older person protects younger person from malevolent forces. Mm -hmm. That base was already covered. We had to go somewhere else. And that the, and the grand inquisitor piece kind of nudged by Filoni the concern troll here, and this isn't mine. This, this is this is a patented Andrew Greenwald special. But when I heard this, I was like, "That's an interesting point." I wonder what Caitlin would think of that. Basically, are we trading one series of fanboys for another? Um, are we giving Filoni too much? Not power, pow- not power, but I mean, uh, we we finally power? kind of freed. Not totally because they keep fucking coming back, but we kind we kind of freed. Star Wars from the slavish Abrams version, which was just give the original trilogy fanboys everything they want. Yeah. Give them everything they want. We'll just repeat the first, you know, we'll just repeat seven through four through seven. Give them what they want. All your friends are back. Skywalker, Skywalker, Skywalker. Yeah. Mandalorian, Boba Fett, they have kind of that area much more in line with, you know, the animated things that Filoni had done. But now are we just like, um, yes, in a way, I think what's really disappointing. Like, okay. Sorry. Let, last, last question. And I'll let you go. Cause this, this is the way I want to frame this. Like back in the day, novels would come out that would have connections to nothing. Right. It was just like, here's a story uh, set in the star Wars universe. There, yes there, and no. There's the force. There's a lightsaber. There's a empire. Whatever. But like, here's a little story off in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Yes and no. Like, literally, a bunch of the novels were about the continuation of the Skywalkers. Oh, yes. Um, the twins. The you know, like there was. And but again, it's a big galaxy. But Mister right? Most Consistent Man at Work, his favorite storyline from those novels was like the bounty hunter shit. Yeah. It's a. It, they're really like. They, you sometimes working inside of an existing universe, but having your own ideas about things. Sometimes it's a great way to work for writers, right? Um, it's basically, you're getting paid to write fan fiction. <laughs> like it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and it can come up with some really good things. Um, I think, uh, so I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story about the, the, um, cartoon, uh, specifically, um, not the Clone Wars, uh, but um, Rebels. So one of my frustrations with having an Obi-Wan Kenobi series was there was a really, really good um, moment in one of the Rebels episodes where basically Darth Maul has been like, just cannot, cannot let go of of obi-wan kenobi right like obi-wan kenobi ruined his life basically um and so he builds up you know his meeting obi-wan kenobi again um and obi-wan kenobi like he is uh he is devoted himself to looking after luke you get the sense that you know he's become a very powerful jedi but has to sort of like tamp down his powers 
he knows that the universe is in disarray, but this is his chosen path or whatever. And they have a really good scene. It's a really good fight. And that puts sort of like a pin in it for me. Like that was like. You were, you were good there. I was good. That was, it was really nice um, to see Obi-Wan Kenobi be, be, you know, uh, slower, but still very powerful and much more in control. Um, they make a, a battle reference to the first prequel movie, which I thought was fantastic. You know, it's the little things that kind of flavor, um, but it, it, but it was it was good. It was done. It was great. It's like you want to tell artists to stop touching something. <laughs> Stop, stop touching it. Let it dry. Um, well, I mean, I guess my question is, and, I, and uh, you know, shouts to me for actually writing notes before the uh, before the episode <laughs> tonight. Um, I have written down here, like, the animated stuff happened because they just kind of let Filoni run wild a little bit. Uh, I mean, who, it, it didn't, and others. Who get who gets to be the next Filoni? Like, why can't somebody be yeah. the next Filoni now? To try some shit. To take some chances. I get that's easier to do yeah. when animation is you know cheaper than wheeling out the you know the volume in the middle of manhattan beach or wherever the hell they film all this shit like well i i think i think when you said when they gave gave the note they wanted they they thought think bigger i don't think that's a good idea i think smaller stories in a big galaxy are always going to be much more interesting than huge massive stories unless you can do them justice right the whole thing started it was a freaking farm boy out in the middle of you know nowheresville in the galaxy and i think that that's my issue with the like the prequels and the sequels like they they went from starting these small little stories to like they just it's so big that you know that it, it it's it's frustrating. Like even even Dune, right? Yes, basically the main character is a prince, basically, but it's just like his this thing that is happening to him and his family, and it get and it gets bigger, but it gets so big that you're like, but what is the story we're telling, right? Why am I invested? What is this story? Yeah, having characters from other parts of the story cross paths is always fun but i don't think it it should not be sacrificed for the story um so like think about this i begrudgingly watched the book of boba fett right (laughs) that's what we did most i don't know anyone who was like yeah that was awesome most people begrudgingly watched it because they we wanted to see some cool things but Really, the the story was a goddamn mess. We all came back once we heard it just was like season 2.5 of The Mandalorian. Like, I mean, I was there from the, I always knew we were going to watch every episode, but, (laughs) and it is fun to be like, hey, it's the thing from this thing and the thing from this thing. But are you going to, am I going to recommend it to someone? Nah, (laughs) I'm never going to recommend it. I'm not going to recommend it the way I recommend the original trilogy of Star Wars. And someone's like, oh, should I watch the sequels? No, no, like watch the Clone Wars, really, or watch Rebel. Like, I mean, even the Rebels, like if you haven't watched the Clone Wars, there are things that you're going to be like, why is this person important? I mean, it doesn't really matter to the story, but 
it's about a found family really is what it's about um but but still like when you distill it down this it's becoming this thing that just spirals out of control um and you get away from what people love about this universe is that you can you know imagine yourself as part of this story in this fun way anyone could be a jedi right um yeah so that that's that's my my take i i'm i mean obi-wan kenobi is one of my favorite characters um and i think you and mcgregor did a great job and i'm sure it's gonna be lots of fun but i i never thought like i've never been excited for it well, we shall see. Like I said, this is this is basically concern trolling. It's like it's gonna make still make money. Gob, you know, gobs of money, hand over fist, regardless. But I do think, I do think it's interesting that now it's just becoming the the spin out from the animated stuff is becoming so strong lately. Where before it was like a little a little drop here or there. Yeah. You know, Bo-Katan shows up, and that's clearly a thing. But then, like, now now it's full-on live-action Ahsoka Tano show, and it's like, hmm, I'm sure it'll be fine, but it just seems... It's not going to be fine if they don't get her Leku, right? Oh I can tell you that God. much. I will never let it go. I am aware. Nerd. Moving on. <laughs> um, interesting, frankly, stupid decision from the world of anime streaming. Crunchyroll race, wasting no time in the post-Funimation merger world to nix free simulcasts as of Mm. the spring 2022 season previously you had two options to watch crunchyroll you could pay your 10 bucks or whatever a month and watch simulcasts that would drop an hour after the episode aired in japan fully subtitled what a time to be alive caitlin i will never be able to get over that (laughs) um (laughs) the shit drops in japan an hour later, you can watch it on North American. You can watch it with English English subtitles. It is bizarre to me. Um, or you could watch it for free, watch it ad-supported, and be a week behind. Whatever episode dropped this week, you couldn't watch it. You had to wait a week to watch it. Right. Apparently, let me get it. Let me get the full version up here. I saw this story on... La Verge today. Uh, yes. Now Crunchyroll is barring free users from watching delayed simulcasts altogether. The services policy is set to go into effect this spring as CR plans to give users access to a seasonal sampler or a selection of simulcasts set to debut during the spring 2022 season. Uh, most notably here is the much anticipated uh, Spy X Family show uh, based on a ridiculously popular manga. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen the trailer. I will send it to you later. The show looks fucking incredible um looks very good it's basically about a spy a assassin and a small child telepath who have to uh, masquerade as a family oh and you know hilarity ensues i'm sure um (laughs) the crunchyroll will offer the first three episodes of each show in the sampler for free one week after their premiere until may 31st any viewing beyond the first few episodes or access to Crunchyroll's entire simulcast lineup will require a subscription. Crunchyroll says all users can still watch episodes previously added to the platform for free. Does that, does that just mean if you're free, it's a hard stop and anything in future you will not have access to or when seasons are over, they are added to the free tier? That's still kind of unclear. Either way, all aboard. 
anime viewers. <laughs> Grab your life jackets because y'all are hitting the high seas at a rate heretofore unseen. Honestly, at, at this rate, with this happening, and then Netflix apparently possibly cracking down on people sharing passwords. In only one in only one household yeah, using they're Netflix. Gonna, they're gonna charge you to share passwords. Ooh, girl. What's up? Hit We're gonna me. it's gonna be it's gonna be like the early two thousands all over again. Hit me on the DM for the connect, y'all. I'm not gonna I'm not about to air that out on Mike, but <laughs> we got we got some spots. Listen, what? but this this is the thing. I and I know people are like, you should always pay for anime. This is why people pirate. You had a thing. You had a thing. Yes. And people liked the thing. People liked the thing. You made it easy. It's when it's easy. You took it away. Now it's not easy for them anymore. If they this couldn't afford like... it, if they were a kid who just wants to watch fucking Baruto or some shit, like now they're either asking their parents to pay for it. Yeah. Or they're just going to fucking kiss anime or whatever the 2022 version of it is and just watching the shit for free with no, with no ads. This is, this is the same issue when people were trying to pay and watch, uh, game of Thrones. Right. Do you remember that? Like people were like, look, I am an adult. I'm willing to pay to watch game of Thrones, but there was like no way to watch it. It was like you had to, you couldn't even get without, HBO without an, online. Without an HBO subscription, yes. Yeah. And I was like, this is, you were losing so much money because people were like, look, I'm I'm willing to like buy the series on like what, what would have been like Google movies or whatever or whatever. Like they were like, I'm willing, I was willing. I was like, I will, I am willing to buy this episode to episode, but there was no possible way to do it unless you got an cable when most people were getting rid of cable and an hbo subscription which i'm like okay so that's like 200 dollars a month i'm like no i'm good i'm fine <laughs> so yeah i have some serious decision making to make in the future so that's, like uh, that's how you uh kamehameha yourself in the foot as it were like <laughs> that's just i just like that's just greed that's what that i i'm willing i'm willing to i won't say that I'm willing to concede that perhaps there are some agreements with the studios involved, with the anime studios involved. Um, I know sometimes they can be difficult, if I'm being judicious, um, mm. to deal with sometimes. And maybe this is coming from them. I don't know, but it smacks of greed. This is we mm. bought. This is we bought our competitor. One thing owns two, you know, one thing owns both of the competitors. So now they can just do what they want and they are, and it gets much harder to, it was real easy to, I don't want to say stand on the moral high ground. Cause it's not like a, I don't think it's insincere, but when the only argument you had for piracy was, I want to see the new episode now. It's like, bro, you could literally go and watch everything for free and just sit through a 15-second ad for, like, the Humane Society or some shit. Like, right. you took that away. Not much, not a lot of argument against it at this point if you are a child or can't afford it. Like, you were more than happy to sit through those ads. 
and get give you get the get you those ad dollars. Now you just decided yeah. you'd rather have a flat out subscription. So it's that's a little R U F F, but I don't know. It's that I feel feel, feel like there's a that's the first shot across the bow of the golden age of relatively inexpensive content providing and, fr- from our streaming and, friends. I think I think there's I think there's a reckoning coming, Kate. And, and may I remind them that children are your future. They are your future consumers. So if they don't get into anime, and if they're if they're pirating now, they're never going to stop. Oh yeah. So as a wise woman once said, y'all did it to yourselves. That's all. That's all we got to say about that. Kate. Yeah. We took a week off. I worried that means there are like 700 updates. So let's start burning through these rapid fire style. What have you gotten into in the past two weeks? Okay. I'm better at going faster than you are. But there are still some things I, I want to talk am about. Attacked? Oh my god! Yeah, go ahead. You should be. I was going for the jugular. Um, okay, I watched a bunch of stand-up. Um, and out of all the stand-up that I have watched, one stand-up has risen victorious, as far as I'm concerned mm-hmm. at the moment, and that is Taylor Tomlinson. I watched the trailer for that one. I did not, uh, and I made a mental note. To double back and check it out. I just haven't had time yet, but. It may not be for you, but I have been quoting things that she said in her Netflix special and gone back and watched. A, like she has a, another special from a couple years ago um, because some of the things she said just, I, it reverberated in my soul. Um, one was that she has a face like a chore wheel and I just. <laughs> I howled. Um, there were a couple other things like, you know, men don't find me sexy. They just want to take me home to their moms. Like that kind of, you know, she's not like haggardly, but she's definitely, you know, on the cuter side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just, I really enjoyed her comedy. I did enjoyed her delivery. I actually think her other special was maybe slightly better um but anyways i i saw clips and i ended up just watching them because i i really liked them um there was a lot of um yeah anyways it was they were really good i really enjoyed it um i thought she had a different voice than a lot of female comedians i had watched in the past um someone touched on some of the same things but anyways very much enjoyed it um i Went to actually go to a movie. I physically went what, what, to what? a theater. I know. To see The Batman. Oh, you saw The Batman. I saw The Batman. How do we feel about The Batman? It was fun. <laughs> um, Paul Dano was great as being like a quiet weirdo. Um, I think I enjoyed... I, I, Robin Pat, Robert Pattinson was 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 good he was a good batman um i just had some issues with the lack of bruce wayne and if anyone who's seen the movie knows what i'm talking about i would love to have a dialogue with someone who's seen this movie um i don't want to i don't want to read a take i want to actually just like talk to someone about it uh so if you're out there hit us up let jordan know that uh that you're ready to talk to me about the batman 
Um, when you're ready to talk about the Batman, yeah, reach out at geekdownpod on twitter.com. There you go. It may be That's time. Well it may be time for you to talk about the Batman with someone yeah. who understands. There's someone who understands and cares. <laughs> um, but it was entertaining. It didn't. It was a three-hour movie. Three it did not feel. Hours. It did not feel like a three-hour movie, which no, is that's great. Good. It's it still was. I still had to get up and pee <laughs> partway through, um, and it was very indulgent. Mm. It was a very. It did not need to be three hours at all. Easily could have been two. Um, it was a very indulgent, and so that wasn't great, but it, it, it was fine. Um, I also just like huffed period pieces. Like I just like snorted just costume dramas into my brain. Um, so I have in very quick succession watched Bridgerton, Sanditon, Belgravia, and The Gilded Age. I only know what, the Gilded like, Age. Two of those things are. Okay, so Bridgerton, new second season dropped. Bridgerton is just fluff. It is romance and sexiness and fluff. It is not like it's supposed to apparently be set in Regency era. It's not. It's like an. It, the reason I can I can watch it so easily is because I'm just like it's another like parallel universe <laughs> where all these things that wouldn't happen because it's the Regency era happen it's fine um sanditon is uh also second season based off of uh jane austen's like last writing never got finished um and it's pretty good so far um it, it's not the full season it's only the first two episodes are out uh belgravia has been out for a little while um just another period drama um it's okay i don't love it as much um it's not really I'm not really as interested in it as I wanted to be. Um, and then Gilded Age, again, just fun, sort of fluff, um, nothing serious. And then I like swerved again. Um, and I was like, I still want to watch a period piece. Oh, I know. Let's find something dark. Um, I watched Perry Mason, the first season of Perry Mason. Oh. Okay. So little background. Perry Mason has been around. It's like one of those characters that has just been around forever like tarzan or um flash gordon or sherlock like it's just there's been so many different versions um uh he is a fictional character um who is a criminal defense lawyer um and is the main character in basically it's a he's a criminal defense lawyer but he's into a lot of detective fiction written originally by earl stanley gardner he features i'm just reading from the wikipedia article he features in 82 novels and four short stories there has been three different television there's like one television show which is i don't want to say it's the most well-known but from 1957 to 1966 he was in radio dramas bunch of films then there was like the new Perry Mason show in the seventies. Um, there was a bunch of television show, uh, television films in the eighties and nineties. He's like never really left the collective consciousness about like American literature. Um, and um, I don't know 
what the production company is called, but it's the one run uh, by Robert Downey Jr. They struck a deal with HBO. They made this Paramation show, which came out in 2020, actually. And I was standoffish about um, watching it because it's a, it's dark and it was giving me real um, LA Confidential vibes, which if you haven't seen the movie, you have, you've seen LA Confidential, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very like police corruption, gangsters, Hollywood violence, um, you know, serial murderers, that kind of thing. Um, and it was pretty dark, um, but it was also really, really good. Um, and they are making a second season, I found out, which is great. Um, the title character is played by that Welsh actor, um, Matthew Reese. Um, and he did a really good job. Uh, also, like, John Lithgow is in it and Tatiana Manslani, who is the Canadian actress who is, uh, she was in Orphan Black and she's going to be playing... Um, Jessica, She Hulk. There you go. Jessica. Jessica. <laughs> um, and yeah, so it was really good. And I'm I'm gonna I watched some other things as well, but I'll save them for uh, next next time. The only thing I finally want to touch on is I've been doing tons of work and. Like I, we talked about at the beginning, um, tons of work for the end of fiscal, which is just, it's like a lot of filing, a lot of spreadsheets, a lot of double checking numbers. And I need something to occupy the other half of my brain while I do this. So I've been trying to find a podcast and I have failed. <laughs> I have failed over and over again. So I'm just like occasionally uh, listening to episodes of my favorite murder, but it's about murder. It is not fun <laughs> always. It's, I love the ladies who do it, who, who um, are on the podcast. They have great chemistry. They're very funny, but the subject matter is a, a real dark at times. Um, so I've tried a couple really like well-known ones. I don't want to call them out, but they're not good. What is going on? I don't understand. Why are we not famous? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I just mean that, like, a lot of people have podcast voice, um, which is, an, it's like a version of YouTube voice. I don't know which one came first. Um, they're, they're. Caitlin. I, yeah. I don't know what you mean when you're talking about podcast voice. <laughs> it's wildly irritating. Even when people are doing <laughs> interviews with other people. Mm. And then they had a guest on who does a podcast. And I was like, oh, this guy sounds great. I'm going to go listen to his podcast. It was terrible. I got through like five minutes. I was like, I can't. I can't do it. Friends, um, I'll get those off mic later. Yeah, I was very, very sad. So also, if while you're uh, hitting us up at Twitter um, regarding the Batman, please add suggestions for podcasts I would like. I I really need I really need some other stuff to to listen to. Um, so yeah, that's some of the stuff I watched. Well, Caitlin. Yes. One of the more well-known podcasts of the last few years inspired a show that I am hate watching despite myself with a fervor that upsets me. (laughs) 
I don't know why. Oh. I don't know why I keep watching this show, and that is the dropout. Oh, based on an ABC News podcast that came out a couple years ago, starring Amanda Seyfried in the lead role as Elizabeth Holmes, the founder and CEO of medical fraud company Theranos. Mm-hmm. Just uh, none. Everybody loves the story of a white lady who just thought she should be exceptional because. <laughs> Love it. That's really what it is. Um, friends, if you're not familiar with the, I was, I had no idea about this story until I heard the podcast initially. Um, it's based heavily on the reporting of a guy named John Carreyu, uh, who wrote a book length piece called bad blood. Basically Elizabeth Holmes was a Stanford university dropout who had this idea that for a machine that could perform a bunch of blood tests on just like a single drop of blood. Great idea. Super futuristic, mm-hmm. visionary, never worked, didn't work. Science didn't work, <laughs> ever. But somehow, whether it was just like the perfect storm of Silicon Valley startup culture, Palo Alto startup culture, or just because she was blonde and pretty, like, she became a billionaire. <laughs> yeah. On the promise of this thing that never worked. Mm-hmm. And no matter who would tell people with the money that it didn't work, they didn't want mm-hmm. to believe it. Yep. Um, I am watching this show continuously because Amanda Seyfried is playing Elizabeth Holmes and is doing that thing. I sometimes have a thing where I just, I never, I don't know what it is about me. When I watch anything, I find it very hard to not see the actor doing the thing right like this is a great performance by robert pattinson playing batman i don't think that's batman i think that's robert pattinson playing batman Uh, i will say this as much as i hate every much as i hate the character of elizabeth holmes it really is just like i want to change the world and be a billionaire that's it that was the goal (laughs) because you liked steve jobs i'm not a medical professional she's a sociopath (laughs) yeah she does not work it's it's the moment where the one thing you need to know about Elizabeth Holmes is she just decided at one point to drop two decibels on her voice. And in public, she would talk in this voice like this. Right. <laughs> Wasn't her voice. Nope. Everybody knew it. <laughs> but rich people make people stupid. So mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone just mm-hmm. ignored it. All that is to say... Amanda Seyfried vanishes in this role. She is killing it from just as an acting performance. Um, and the needle drops are impeccable as well. It was big, big money. Oh. Disney Hulu busted out the big money for the uh, early 2000s <laughs> needle drops on this show. Amazing. So, yeah, I hate it, but the fall is coming, so now I'm excited. I sat, I sat, through, the, I sat through the shit I didn't want to deal with, and now it's like, ooh, the fall's coming. Ooh. Yes, I know I'm just a terrible man who wants to watch a, you know, wants to watch a Horrible woman, white people? Wants to, watch a ter- wants to watch a powerful woman get torn down. She was a horrible human being. Uh, yeah, no, it's just no horrible, horrible white people. Were, horrible anyone, really. You just real, want to see horrible people get These were real down. people getting inaccurate medical results like you fucked with people's medical treatment that's awful abhorrent but anyway uh the show's not bad it's not great uh two other things i watched 
during my time, got to spend some time with someone cute this weekend. Always, always the highlight of any, forget anything I'm talking about right now. That's the highlight of the week, Kate. But she has, as as we've established, she got, she got the cable. Sometimes we hang out there a little bit. Um, And I saw two things, which will actually probably be the next two things we talk about on this show. Because I asked Caitlin, what do you want to talk about next week? The show with dicks or basketballs? And I replied because I knew exactly what he was talking about. <laughs> so in the next two weeks, we will talk about the uh, the Crave. Uh, I don't know if they're both on HBO in the States, but uh, one is Minx and the other is Winning Time. One is a, I believe, totally fictitious story about a woman who wants to start a, both set in the 70s, <laughs> late 70s, which is fun, mm-hmm. um, about a woman who wants to start a feminist magazine um, and kind of has to... Pair up with a pornographer to get the money. Get the money to make it happen. Um, I mean, it's based off of a bunch of stuff in the seventies. Okay, um, but yes, the she is not a real person. And Winning Time is based on the story, and apparently plays very fast and loose with some of the facts. But is based on the kind of transformative power of the Magic Johnson era Los Angeles Lakers into what turning the NBA from kind of like the least popular professional sports league in America, getting beaten by like golf and bowling on major networks to the like powerhouse of commerce and entertainment that it is today. And the vision of this Dr. Jerry Buss who buys the Lakers, um, who's played by John C. Riley and his insistence on recruiting uh, Magic Johnson from Michigan State. And because, as he says, and this is in the trailer and this is in the pilot, he takes Magic Johnson to some, like, nightclub review type of thing. And it's like, girls are dancing and the band singing and stuff like that. And he's like, why can't basketball feel like this? Like, he wants to make it a show. Right. Instead of just, like, stodgy the stodgy game with no, he wants to bring flair to it. He wants to make it exciting. And the way it's shot is really interesting. And the stories with the poor, again, performances are great from people I know and don't know. The guy playing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is killing it. Amazing. <laughs> He's fantastic. Kareem's an interesting person. If this is a even remotely <laughs> accurate depiction of him. Um, so yeah, we'll be getting to those. I believe it wrapped y'all ranking of Kings is a fucking miracle. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> This is artist representation of me watching what I believe is the final episode of Ranking of Kings. <laughs> I love him so much, Caitlin. <laughs> I should be like, oh, poor baby. <laughs> Protect Boshi at all costs. Um, what else? On the podcast front, this is more for me. I don't think Caitlin would enjoy this as much because she doesn't know who Dante Ross is or 90% of the people like I talked about on the show. But the third season of What It Happened Was with legendary hip-hop and our man Dante Ross has continued to just be Full of gems and interesting tidbits <laughs> from the late 80s, early 90s era of hip-hop. Last two episodes talked about uh, KMD slash MF Doom and Leaders of the New School, i.e. the group Busta Rhymes was in before he broke out as a solo artist. And just just casual gems just getting dropped in there all the time. Really, really compelling. Compelling, compelling episodes about fascinating people. Um, what else? watching all i'm gonna say um watch a lot of uh iphone 13 vids on youtube this week because i made the switch back <laughs> made the switch back y'all back on the fruit phone yeah he's uh back to the dark side listen some of y'all ain't gonna want to hear this some of y'all 
ain't going to want to hear this. It's a hard truth, ain't it? Overall, as an experience, when done right, Android probably do it better, yo. What a twist. Oh, shit. That's not what I thought you were going to say. No. I had prepared my eye roll. I was going to tell you about it on air. I was going to be like, this is why I miss being in person because you won't see my face. There are so with the first thought I had, I got, so I got, I got the 13 mini cause I don't want a big phone. I don't want a giant phone. Kate just got a new phone. I saw it when she was here last week. It was the size of a fucking phone book. I'm like, I don't want that anymore. It's big. I actually love it. Cause it reminds me of Penny from inspector gadget, but okay. Continue. Oh my God. Um, so this is apparently the last year Apple's going to put out the, the mini iPhone, um, which has all the same tech specs as the like regular 13. It's just smaller. Do it in one hand type of thing. And when I fired it up for the first time, the first thought I had was like, oh, we're still doing this. <laughs> <laughs> last time I had an iPhone was like four years ago. It looks the exact same. It works the exact same. There's maybe something to be said for that, but also I'm a grown ass man. Let me put the fucking icons where I want to put them. Oh, I don't want the clutter. I don't want a cluttered jumbled fucking screen. If I want to move an icon down here to the corner, let me do it. Don't snap to grid. I'm a grown man. I'm an adult, Caitlin. I don't know anything about recent Apple products. That sounds like a nightmare. (laughs) I'm just thinking about it getting stressed out. (laughs) Like the first thing I did was like make it how I wanted it. Got everything put really quickly to like what page. I have like a page for like entertainment. I have a page for educational. On the old girl, I had the Pixel 3a before this, the Google Home. Like, listen, I'm not about these, like, getting a Samsung or getting an Xperia or OnePlus or whatever that just puts their branded shit on top of Android. That's putting a hat on a hat. I don't need that. Like, I'll just, if I ever go Android again, I'll just get Google straight vanilla Android. Like, this is how they meant it to work. So I will do that. And my home screen was so clean. I had a weather app, weather widget in the top. And then the bottom was just, like, my home row and, like, my main four. It's like MySpace. It was, like, my top eight were right there. And everything else on the screen was just wide, wide open. Also, I didn't understand what people were talking about with the notch. Everybody complains about the notch all the time. This is huge. You also got to remember, if I'm back on YouTube videos, I am I am perturbed by everything they go in on about. It's like, well, the, the iPhone 13 mini doesn't really, it only gets like, you know, uh, 4 million pixel nits per of black per inch. Shut the, shut the fuck up, man. Like... <laughs> Literally. No, but it's waterproof uh, as as low as like no, three like, feet I'm of not, water. I'm not taking my phone in the fucking shower. Like, what are we talking about here? Um, mm-hmm. But the notch is where it dips for like the earpiece, right? Where the sound comes out of for a phone call. It's like where it dips and where the front facing camera is. It dips into the screen, right? So like on the top border of the screen, there is a notch where it dips down for this front-facing camera the pixel just made the whole phone a little bigger and compacted the screen size a bit so there is no notch Mm -hmm. i did not understand how much i was going to miss not having a notch (laughs) no notch for you when i open a beautiful you know photo of a sunset like oh this looks so good let me move it around ah what's this this dip in the top like (laughs) Notch talk with Jordan Kate. Listen, I'm not. I'm. I'm really doing my best not to do, go too far into it. I've just now. <laughs> I've just now got the thing set up. I've had it for like two things. I've had it for three days at this point. Day two, the nanny phone told me I had exceeded a maximum volume exposure. I was like, oh, phone. 
<laughs> you, you, you don't know. You are, you are, Silly phone. You are very late to this party phone. <laughs> um, and like the first thing I did was like literally I have made it as much of an Android experience on an iPhone as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Literally, there is a folder that that just says Google and it's like every app. I have Siri set up to summon the Google Assistant whenever I call it. Amazing. I'm sorry to say the blue bubble ain't worth it, y'all. You know what else? Like I can't, I can't swipe my drawer down with the fucking back back fingerprint sensor anymore. I use that literally every day. You'll get used to it. You'll be fine. <sighs> it's very pretty. You can do it. I believe in you. It is very pretty green though. Um, friends, with that, I believe we will take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk about something that's been out for a minute, but it's still relatively new. Kate brought it in. She was interested to see what we would think of the Adam Project. Netflix sci-fi family sci-fi extravaganza and we will get into that when we come back from this break hi everyone and welcome back to the show this is the half of the show where we talk about the thing we have brought each other this week as Jordan had already said in the first half of the show, it is the Adam Project. But before we get into it, we have some rules. We gotta get through the this quick, rule- y'all. It's Oscar. It's Oscar night. We have too much fun on the break, making fun of fashion. So we gotta, we gotta get, we gotta get yeah, through we, this. we gotta, we gotta go. We gotta go. Um, but before we get into it, there's some rules. The thir- first rule is the rule of three. That is if the rule that if the thing comes in parts, we will watch three of them just to get a sense of the thing is trying to become. And this is, does not come in parts. It is a film. Um, <laughs> or I would like to say movie. It's a movie. Um, it's a movie. Um, so that rule does not stand. Uh, the second rule is hashtag save it for the pod, which is the rule that we will not talk about the thing uh, before we are sitting in front of these microphones, which is, is in play. Um, so Jordan, shut up. Um, and then the third rule is... <laughs> The rule, uh, uh, wait, what is it? Oh, it's There Will Be Spoilers. Um, we're a pro-spoiler po- podcast. Um, you really, you don't, can't really no, spoil no, this. No spoiling. Um, There's no really spoiling going on no. here. Um, so, yeah, just, even if you haven't seen it, you can just hang out. It's fine. <laughs> um, and, okay, so, um, there are rules. And, uh, since I technically brought it, I will do the little read up from wikipedia um the adam project is a 2022 american science fiction adventure film but we're just gonna call it movie uh directed by sean levy um he is known for um free guy and uh cheaper by the dozen and a bunch of other stuff he's gonna be doing the new um deadpool movie so yeah He's known for a bunch of stuff. He's like executive produced and directed and acted and all kinds of stuff. He's Reynolds's guy. Yeah. Um, it stars Ryan Reynolds, Walker Scoble, Mark Ruffalo, Jennifer Gardner, Catherine Keener, and Zoe Saldana. Um, uh, the plot follows a pilot from the future who goes back in time and encounters his younger self. Um the fun fact about this movie, which I found out from reading very quickly the Wikipedia page, apparently um, Tom Cruise was attached to the film mm-hmm. and because of it got all messy, dropped out. 
it would have been a very different film, I feel. Um, so yeah, I guess let's say, I don't know. I don't want to really super get into the plot because I'm sure we'll talk about it as we talk about the movie in general. Um, basically though, Ryan Reynolds plays Adam, um, who in is a dystopian in a dystopian 2050 he's a fighter pilot that goes to the past because he's trying to find his wife who got he for some reason got left in the past but he chooses the wrong date and encounters his younger self and hijinks ensue is that pretty pretty accurate yeah more or less yeah uh jennifer gardner plays his mom mark ruffalo plays his dad zoe saldana plays his wife um, and shout to shout out to Walker Scoble, who plays his younger self. He did a really good job. Um, I saw this movie come out. Initially, I wasn't interested in it, but then I was like, you know what? I just want a fun movie. I want a sci-fi film that is not attached to anything. <laughs> it was not a book. That's it is fair. not part of a bigger. That's very important. Like, very important these days. Thing. it's i don't need to know anything going into it um i know this is not gonna be like super heavy um it's just gonna be fun and it gave me serious um flight of the navigator vibes Yo, especially don't the stepping on my shit <laughs> well i'm allowed to have shit too so <laughs> find other shit um yeah so anyways but it was like a happier version of flight of the navigator yes. Um, anyway, so those are my initial thoughts. Jordan, what did you think? Well, it doesn't matter what I think now. Caitlin already said it. Um, yeah, I... <laughs> well, that's the end of the podcast, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Uh, I sat down to this with zero expectations, and around the 45-minute mark, I literally said, this is a very enjoyable movie for what it is. Right? It, it knows what it is, and it knows what it's doing, and it has decided that that's what it's going to do, and it's not going to do anything but that, And but it does it very well. And yes, like Caitlin said, if if you had any doubts of what it was trying to do, the very weird needle drops <laughs> throughout that seem very anachronistic for a 2020 movie set in 2022 featuring a character from 2050 or whatever... I don't really know that Good Times, Bad Times by Zeppelin is really <laughs> on the top of anyone's, uh, you know, most played Spotify-like songs. Um, yeah, the, the definitely the, the 80s vibe of the music. I was like, you are trying to do a Disney 80s Flight of the Navigator style kid adventure space. And even though it's not, yeah. it's in space for like five minutes at the start of the movie and never goes back to space. But um that's the vibe you're going with. And you latched on that vibe primarily on the strength of the chemistry between Reynolds and the kid. Yeah. Their chemistry was really good. Everybody in the cat. I don't know what favors were called in for this movie, but like the cast is impeccable. Like I feel like everyone was on a break from something and they were like, Hey, do you want to do like a really small project? Except for Reynolds. Nobody's in it for very much screen time. Right. Yeah. Zoe Saldana is in it for like 20 minutes. Ruffalo's in it for like 15. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Garner, same thing, you know, probably had, probably had the most free time, you know, she's in the most of it. Um, but also has some like very interesting, somewhat poignant things to say about, you know, loss and the interesting, the, the flip it did, which I liked 
is so at the time of when Adam, young Adam is in 2022, go with that. Try the date dummy in 2022, (laughs) young Adam, his father has been killed in a car crash. Um, It's been about a year, two years. Uh, I think it's been about a year. Yeah. Since he's passed and he's very, mm, how do you want how how to describe it? He's very rough with his mom. He's very mouthy. He's very lashing out a lot. Um, Getting in fights at school. Um, notably, despite not being able to fight <laughs> worth a damn. Yeah. And when older Reynolds, um, Adam comes back and they connect in the first third of the movie, he is very much like, stop being a piece of shit to her. Like, you don't know the first thing about what she's going through right now and basically cut her some fucking slack and appreciate where she's coming from. You get to the last half of the movie where they have linked up with Ruffalo in a different time period before he's passed. And Ryan Reynolds, Adam holds a lot of resentment for how Ruffalo was kind of absent or felt that he like put his work ahead of his family sort of thing. Right. And it takes young Adam to be like, you are not remembering you're too far removed to remember, you know, Oh, he bought this, uh, it's a pitchback, right? Those little like spring fences. Yeah. That you throw a baseball at and it kind of hits it back to you. He's like, yeah, he bought us that because he knew he wouldn't be around to play for us. He's like, no, he bought it for us because I asked him every day when we walked by the store to get it for us. You know, you don't remember it and you just decided that being angry was easier than being sad. Um, so the way they, each of them reconfigures their relationship with one of the parents, I thought was a very somewhat sophisticated touch for, for a, dumb movie with spaceships and you know glowy sword things um yeah and yeah that's really the biggest high point the biggest headline for me from watching this movie is just it knew what it was and it was yeah. super fun because of it and like you said i felt this way about uh, of space sweepers of all things let's let's bring that back like it's just so <laughs> liberating to walk into something that isn't packed with the expectation of pre-existing knowledge or I have to know some French graphic novel that this thing was based on or anything like it's just, it just is, it's just it is, is. And here's a thing and that's it. And you are with and this also, thing. And then the thing ends, whatever dystopian future you see for like five minutes, that's it. You don't need to know the entire history of what happened. You don't need a four part mini series about Catherine Keener's uh, turn to uh, you know, Uber capitalism or whatever. And turning her back on her partner, she's just bad. That's it. She's just bad. Yeah. That's all you need. And you also, you you don't, you they're not setting this up for a trilogy. No, absolutely not. And 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 that feels really good. It feels like this is a story that is that it is begin and begun and ended. This is all wrapped up with a bow. Um, and I really like that. There were some other small touches that I really enjoyed. Which in one of the cases, the fact that, you know, Ryan Reynolds speaking about like his mom and you don't know what she's going through. It's because he's lost his wife. Right. Not necessarily to death at that point, but like they haven't seen each other in a long time. He's basically gone back in time to find her because he's so sad about losing her. Right. He's, he's like, this isn't, this isn't right. Um. So now he has that personal experience. The fact that, you know, 
Mark Ruffalo, as soon as he sees Ryan Reynolds, like he knows that's his son. I bawled my eyes out. I'm not even a parent. And I was like, oh, he knows who it is. <laughs> um, and he knows that the way in which they are acting, like he dies. That like that's, has- that scene where it's like, it's all kind of said and done. And he knows he doesn't have much time with them left because time, time will start to reset itself. Um, yeah. And he tells them, you know, you can't, you know, I knew from the second I saw you the first time and how you're acting. What, what? What happens? What happens? But you can't tell me why or how. Like that's, yeah. Um, and and there was this worry that like you know they were going to save their dad and everything was going to be fine. No, the dad is still dead. Um, you know, and it was sad, but that is loss is a part of life. Um, and yeah, it was just that was really heartfelt. It was that really good balance of like fun and heartfelt, and you know, not too deep if that i mean i, I, mean, I know it sounds it wasn't flaky but it was it was fun and interesting and it was a just like a fun hang i thought, the, could I thought, be the, thought the mech designs were good and made sense i thought the action scenes even though you know they still have the cgi wire work feel to them i didn't think it was too terrible yeah. the scene where saldana shows up and you know bails their asses out and is and they're he's processing that she's in front of him while also you know, trying not to get killed, I thought was all very fun and well done. Like it was, it was just a fun movie and very surprising to me. I was like, I said at the jump, I was not expecting a lot out of this movie, but it consistently surprised me on just how it's a word we take for granted. Entertaining. It was, I was entertained, Caitlin. Yeah. My, my only criticism is can everyone fucking cool it on the weird face mapping? It doesn't look Listen, good. It's, that, it's not. Yes. If you're going to call out one thing, the second DH Catherine Keener showed up, I was like, mm-mm, 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 no, nope. like I compare it. I mean, the high point for me, the high watermark, as far as like de-aging goes is, um, is, oh, oh, it's classic Kate. Um, um, he, he was in Captain Marvel. He plays Samuel. Oh no, Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson. <laughs> there you go. I was like, I almost called him Samuel L. Lewis. I don't know who that is. I'm sorry, sir. You just I didn't conflated mean- Emmanuel Lewis with Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> I don't. Who's Emmanuel Lewis? He was a little person who had a sitcom in the '80s, and he hung out with uh, Michael Jackson. Oh, oh no, I didn't. I didn't know who that was. I just didn't know Samuel L. Jackson's name for a moment. Um. Anyways. <laughs> Um, his, like his, their face de-aging, his face de-aging in, in Captain Marvel, I, maybe because it wasn't as extensive, it wasn't, it, it felt, it did not pop me out of the story the way this did. Um, I'm like, please, please stop. Please, please stop. Um, it doesn't look good. I know... I know everyone's really like excited to try this technology, but it isn't ready. Call, call that guy. Call that guy who threw shit at Lucasfilm and got a job. <laughs> Seriously, like this is the Theranos of CGI. <laughs> like it's not, it's not good. It's not working. We all. I don't know why y'all keep believing that it's working. It's not working. It's, it's not working. Um. So yeah. So, but really, if that's the only thing I'm calling out, that's pretty good. It was just. It was fun. It was fun, and it was really nice that it wasn't part of a trilogy and 
there's no hint that they were going to make a trilogy. It's just was a fun side project that they wanted to put together for Netflix. And good job, everyone involved. Good job. It's an eight for me. Same. Same. I I just had a fun time. I'm glad you enjoyed it because I was like, I felt like this would be something you enjoyed. It The runtime alone. <laughs> Pushed it. I was like. Pushed it. What? It was, it was an hour and a half and six minutes. It was, uh, the runtime I saw was 148. Maybe that's taking credits into account, but. Yeah. I saw, was, I saw 148. Like, I was like, mm, you're pushing it, Reynolds. Um, <laughs> that's on your Netflix. Like I said, it's enjoyable. If you got kids. Of like eleven, twelve, you don't have a problem with some swearing. It's a good, it's a good hang. It can be, yeah. the, it can be their flight of the navigator, and then, you know, and they tw- won't be scarred for life by it. Twenty years, they'll be having a, uh, you know, whatever the futuristic version of a podcast is, and they'll be talking about how formative it was to them and making one of their friends watch it. Yeah, the circle is complete. I like that idea. Time is a flat <laughs> circle. Y'all, that's going to do it for us for this week, I believe. If you have thoughts about the Batman or podcast for Caitlin to listen to, you can hit us up on twitter.com slash geekdownpod. Otherwise, if you've got a problem with dicks, get over it, because we're talking about Minx next week. show I totally just wanted to talk to Kate about, because it it, it attempts to single-handedly solve that problem that Kate's been harping about for the last five years of this podcast. Free the D, y'all. Free the D. Oh, and it gets, they are free on this show. We will talk all about that and other things when we discuss it on next week's episodes. Friends, thank you so much for hanging with us for an hour and change each week. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you'll join us next week for another amazing episode of the Geek Down Podcast and Penises. Can you hear me typing? Yes. Oh, okay. Hold on. Well, then. You have the loudest keyboard. Is it made, it's made out of fucking. Can you, can you hear this? Yes. Oh, oh, never mind. I thought one of them. So I have this you microphone. literally has like on like a two. Commodore 64. Why is that keyboard so loud? <laughs> <laughs>